My name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, relationship coach, and rehabilitation counselor. I'm also a Christian who for years grew up in a church that taught me to fear God instead of love God. For years, I felt betrayed by God and felt like God didn't love me because I wasn't perfect and because I didn't do the right thing all of the time. For years, I felt like I was destined to go to hell because there was no way I could keep all of God's laws and there was no way I could win God's approval. It wasn't until I began to read and study the Bible on my own that I realized that, yes, there is nothing I can ever do to be perfect. I will never be able to win God's approval. But the great thing about it is that I didn't have to because God loves me the way I am and God is here to help me through any and everything that I go through. It wasn't until I realized that God was there for me and that what I had been taught about God my whole life was a lie that I began to understand who God really was. It wasn't until I began to lose my religion and focus on God that I understood who God was and his amazing love for me and how much he loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different journey and a different path to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finding God. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Guys, this week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. His name is Mark Stencil, and he is a graphic artist, and he has this amazing graphic novel that is based on Saul and David in the Bible. But before I tell you all of his little secrets and everything about his book, let's get to the interview so that he could tell you himself how he became a graphic artist and also how he found God. Hello, Mark. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You are more than welcome. And I am so excited that you agreed to be a guest on the Finding God podcast. You are doing a lot of amazing things. And I'm super excited for you to talk about how your graphic novel on Samuel came about. But before we get to that, let me just ask you some questions that I ask everybody. So tell me about your childhood. How was your childhood when you were younger? Uh, well, my childhood, uh, you know, I have an older sister. She's three years older, and I have an, actually have an identical twin brother. So uh, I always grew up with, a, I guess, a mirror version of myself to talk to and to play, play games with and stuff. So uh, that, that was a great thing. Uh, I grew up uh, in a home with uh, parents who were people of faith and took us to church. And uh, my mother was the church secretary and we went to the Christian school of this church. It was called Forest Hills Baptist Church. Um, and it's no longer in existence, but at the time it was the, it was the largest Sunday school in Georgia, um, huge church. And uh, yeah, that's where as a child, eight years old. Uh, yeah, and just to give you some context, you know, this was a, a soul-winning church, right? So the, 
the gospel was presented every Sunday, you know, the gospel being that we are, are sinners and, you know, John 3, 16, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Um, yeah. And uh, because of that sin, we were separated from God. Uh, but, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know, the, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I was taught that from a young age. Uh, but I remember the, you know, the, the, the preacher was preaching about what separation from God meant. And, uh, you know, he talked about that there was a place for people that were separated from God. And, and it, but it was prepared for angels that had rebelled against God. And, you know, this place is called hell. And I remember him preaching hell so hot. I thought, you know, if I got off the pew, I would fall into, you know, the lava or whatever. But, you know, I was... Even as a kid, I was like, I don't ever want to go to that place. Um, so I started thinking about it. And, you know, over the last couple of months, I just talked to my parents about, you know, what does it mean to put my faith in Jesus? And it's like, well, you just believe in, you know, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins for you. And all you have to do is accept that as a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can only accept it. And I was like, Really? You know, I don't have to yeah. I don't have to be like perfect. I don't have to get cleaned up before I take a bath and, you know, uh, <laughs> sort of thing. And um, I was like, I, I want to do that. So I, I got on my knees as an eight-year-old kid and I asked the best I knew how. I asked Jesus, you know, to, I accepted the, the free gift of salvation that Jesus, uh, you know, died on the cross to, to get for us. And um, I got baptized and... Uh, and dunked in the water and I was like shoo <laughs> um I, I have a right relationship with God and I'm baptized uh so you know some people don't think kids can understand these deep spiritual things but uh it's actually the gospel is very simple and you know Jesus said suffer the little children to come to me and don't don't forbid them for such is the kingdom of God uh most most people that make a decision for Jesus they make it, you know, in those those critical those critical years when they're in elementary school or junior high, uh, high school, and I think that's a great time to share the gospel with 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 children and with young young people. No, I love that. It's amazing that at that age you understood. But I guess because the way it was presented to you, it wasn't anything that was difficult. It seemed like your parents probably just sat down and talked to you like in the language of a third grader at the time, like. So this is how it is. And it was easy for you to understand. So you accepted God when you were eight years old. Mm -hmm. As you got older into adolescence, did that stay with you or did you go away a little bit? Like what happened in your adolescence? Well, you know, you know I mentioned that that church no longer exists. And uh, the reason why is after the founding pastor left, his name was Curtis Hudson. You know, he was a godly man. He was a good man. He he uh, he was the real thing, right? He right. he believed in God and and depended on God, and taught the people to do that. And he believed in grace, you know that that uh, God is 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 gracious and He loves us, and that's why He sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we could have a relationship with Him. But after he left, uh, a new pastor came in, and uh, he was not a good man. He was not a godly man. He was a sort of a tyrant and uh, sort of a uh, you know, laying on the guilt trips, you know, every Sunday. And uh, I remember as a kid thinking, 
I don't like this guy. And because I didn't like this guy, I, I grew to not like his, his version of God, you know, the whole uh, guy in the sky who's, who's just waiting for you to, to mess up so he can pound you on the head and say, you know, bad, you know, bad. The, and, oh, don't have any fun because God doesn't want you to have any fun. Uh, but ultimately that pastor was, you know, uh, was found, you know, doing immoral things. And uh, it really, it really hurt the church and it really hurt um, a lot of people that were involved in the church. So, you know, my family, we left and we sort of floated around for some years, um, you know, trying to find a church home. Ultimately, we found a church home at a place called Grace Fellowship where, there was a man named Buddy Hoffman who totally changed my life. Uh, again, he was the real thing, right? And you know, he had had polio as a child, uh, but he was, you know, one of the godliest men I've ever known. And I met him when I was in junior high school. And he talked to me like I was a person, not a kid. You know what I mean? He asked me questions, you know, how, how are you doing? And then he'd stop talking and he just looked in my eyes and he listened, right? To me, as, as, a, as a kid, that meant like so much that this, you know, pastor of this big church would stop everything he's doing and ask me how I was doing and actually listen. So, you know, I ended up going on a youth retreat with the youth group at that church, and it was a sort of thing. It was it was just a very winsome invitation to, you know, if, if whether you're not a Christian or you are a Christian, God holds out his hands and he says, come to me. I want to have a relationship with you. I love you. I care about you. I want to make your life great and have a plan for you. And it's a good plan. And so I um, I remember I was in 10th grade at the time. And I remember coming back from that youth retreat. And I had like a t-shirt that had like a cross on it. And, you know, youth retreat, Jesus is king and stuff like that. And I was like, what am I going to wear to school? My first day back after the spring break, this this thing. And I felt like, as a teenage kid, God wanted me to wear that t-shirt with the cross on it and, you know, Jesus is king and everything. And I've talked to people 30 years later who were like, I remember you wearing that t-shirt at school. And it struck me because nobody else would talk about spiritual things. Everybody was like, oh, let's go get drunk this weekend and let's party and let's, you know, live immoral lives and we don't care about spiritual things. And I didn't think of it at the time as being any sort of big stand. I was just like, I have to be my authentic self. And if, if I if I believe this, if I'm a child of God, I, hey, I got to let my banner fly, right? So, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's how I kind of came back to the Lord and really committed to being a disciple and to growing in my faith and to uh, sharing sharing that with other people. And see, I like that when you said that you wore the t-shirt back to school, because I know so many times we compartmentalize God. We think he's in church, or he's mm -hmm. when you read the Bible, or he's when you pray. We don't think that he's with us all around, that he wants to be a part of our daily lives. And so you just wearing a t-shirt back to church, you weren't trying to like win anybody to God. <laughs> like you said, that was just who you were and your authentic self. So you were just being you, but being you included having God, you know, and I think that's awesome because so many times we think we have to go out of our way to witness the people and to tell them to the point where it becomes intrusive and maybe even not fun for them when we can just be who we are. And if God is in us, it'll show, you know, people will get the message even if we never say anything. 
And I like that you did that even as a 10th grader in high school. That is amazing that you were able to do that and had that amount of knowledge to know that you can just be you and have God and it was okay. I like that. Yeah, it was weird how um, a lot of times when we learn to hear the voice of the Lord, to, to, to hear the spirit of the Lord speaking to us, um, nudging us to do something, a lot of times it is something that's uncomfortable, that's outside of our comfort zone. Hey, talk to that, talk to that person. Um, right. I remember years later, I was walking down the streets of Atlanta and a homeless guy walks up to me and, you know, starts talking to me and I you know, I wanted to just kind of be like, oh, no, I don't have time today and go away. But I felt the spirit of the Lord say, talk to this person, you know, talk to them like they're a human being, like they matter. And that started off a long friendship and, you know, a, a good friendship. So listening, being able to hear that voice is, I think, you know, important for us as, as believers. I agree. And um, it's amazing how you heard it at such a young age. Let me ask you a question now. I know that you have a comic book series and it's about the book of Samuel, correct? It's inspired by the, by the story of uh, King Saul and the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, yeah. So what made you come up with this? Now, first I want to ask, when you were young, did you like to draw? Were you good at it? And how did all of this evolve into a graphic novel about King Saul and Samuel? <laughs> Well, you know, about 20 years ago, uh, we started a, a little thing in the back room of a comic shop. Uh, we called it Riot Club because we were uh, screenwriters writing screenplays, and we were just giving one another critique and encouraging one another to keep at it to, to get better. And, you know, that, that writer's group turned into a comic book creator group called Kindred, and um, ultimately into a company... Uh, with an LLC and a bank account and all that stuff called Terminus Media. Um, but we started out uh, just telling stories, trying to tell unique stories. You know, we loved uh, all these, you know, we got all these Marvel movies these days. Um, and we loved all those things, but we wanted, we had our own stories we wanted to tell. And uh, so we were just like, Let's just start doing our thing. Let's let's start now with the resources we have and just start telling these stories. So we created uh, a series of books called the Evolution Book Series, where we went from nothing to something, and uh, we're probably called the Creation Series now. But uh, we we did our first book was a little black and white comic book on the inside, and it had I think five stories in there. And so our goal was if you can tell a story in eight pages of a comic book, you can really tell a story well. Yeah. So we did that, and then we did a second book, and then we did a third book, and then we started doing individual books based on different uh, properties. One of the first ones is called Platypus versus Monkey. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's just kind of a cartoony kind of fun uh, story about a Soviet cyber, super Soviet cyber monkey that thinks it's his job to take over New York City for the Soviet Union and he fights with an anthropomorphic platypus over that, you know. Uh, it's just kind of, it's a unique story. <laughs> I don't know where else you can see a platypus that, that talks like Humphrey Bogart and wears a fedora and all this stuff. But uh, eventually we met Baron Bell, the creator of Dominion. And we did a graphic novel series with him called Radio Free America. 
which is basically about the United States getting getting nuked from by foreign powers. Yeah. And what it does is it causes all of us who are fighting with one another over politics and over social things all the time to say, hey, they nuked us. <laughs> they EMP pulsed us. They are coming in now and they are shooting us and killing us. We have to band, you know, band together to, to fight these people. So you got like the gangbanger in Philly and the police officer in Philly. They're right there behind the, you know, behind the vehicle shooting at the tanks coming down the street. Um, and it, it's kind of based on a, a quote from uh, Benjamin Franklin upon signing the, the, the Declaration of Independence. He said, if we don't hang together, we will most assuredly hang separately. <laughs> There's a lot of danger uh, with those revolutionaries when they, mm -hmm. they told England, hey, uh, you know, we're going to go our own way now. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first project that we did with Dr. Baron Bell. And he's a professor at Liberty University, um, teaching art and sequential art there. Uh, but, you know, our company uh, had been doing sort of generic um, comics, telling unique stories, stories that we found entertaining and fun. Um, but there's not a whole lot of uh, authenticity as far as, you know, sharing anything spiritual or anything that, is biblically based and Baron and I were talking at the beginning of 2020 before the COVID pandemic hit we were talking you know what do we what do we want to work on going forward and we basically decided we want to work on things that, that glorify God things that that have a positive impact on the world and one of the things that has a positive impact on the word world is the word of God so uh, so he pitched this idea to me for dominion all of the house of Saul. And he's like, okay, Mark, what it is, is you have the story of King Saul, the first king of Israel in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. What I want to do is I want to make Saul an anthropomorphic lion, right? His whole family, they're lions, and he's the king of dominion, which is an interplanetary system with, you know, lasers and, and ships. And, and you know, dominion is made up of anthropomorphic Warm-blooded creatures like, uh, you know, gorillas and rhinoceroses and elephants and deers and stuff like that. Those are the good guys. And then the Philistines, they're made up of, of cold-blooded creatures like crocodiles and alligators and snapping turtles and, and eels and stuff like that. And uh, so I was like, I'll just stop you right there because, like, I'm a kid who grew up, like, watching, like, Thundercats and Voltron, you know, lions and back in the 80s so you know thinking about that as a creative way to tell a bible story and again it's inspired by the story in the bible it's not a verbatim telling um, but our goal is really like you know they say you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink but the old cowboy would say that ain't true because you give that horse some salt put a salt lick out there that horse will get real thirsty so part of what we're doing is with these stories with Dominion Follow the House of Saul is telling a great story with excellence that hopefully at least makes people say, what, what does that biblical account say about this story? To make them thirsty uh, for the word of God, to go check out the original story there in 1 Samuel. And because King Saul was a real person, he really, he lived and he died and and this whole story arc teaches us a lot about 
the nature of God, one of the first scenes is of the prophet Samuel confronting him because remember, remember the Bible story, the prophet, oh, that's fine. The, the Almighty said to utterly destroy this, yes. this these people, right? And he did not do it. He did not do it. And so one of the first scenes is of Saul dreaming about that thing that had happened in the past where the the prophet Samuel says, you know, you know, why did you not utterly destroy everything as the Almighty said? And Saul's like, well, you know, I wanted to keep the best for uh, the Lord. And, you know, I'm going to make a sacrifice to the Lord with all of this, you know, wealth and stuff that I kept. And Samuel asked him a great question is the sacrifice better than obedience yes <laughs> so in our story prophet samuel is a crow and and you know you have king saul there in this big mechanized armor and it's going hey you know uh, not my fault and and samuel tells him the kingdom has been torn from you today you know because you did not respect his command mm-hmm. and Saul is just stunned, like, what? What? So that's where the story starts. And I was I was talking to a gentleman last night, uh, uh, another comic book professional, and he's an atheist, right? Mm-hmm. But he's like, he's like, that was really, pro- like, that really made me think, like, about the whole concept of what the Bible communicates about God and obedience and this guy thinking he knows better than than God and how seriously God takes that sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're on chapter three of Dominion. Follow the House of Saul now, and we've uh, <laughs> we we're just having a lot of fun with it. And uh, Dr. Bell and the the creative team, uh, Daniel Hancock helping with the writing, and Chris Hunt uh, and and you know with the colors, just doing a phenomenal job. So it's it's exciting to see it sort of unravel and a uh, little spoiler just for you and your audience. So don't tell anybody, but uh, the second King of Israel is King David from David and Goliath and uh, little, little David, you know, with his little mech that he made himself called the slingshot makes an appearance at, at the very end of chapter three. Uh, so it's uh uh, I've been harassing the guys the whole time. When are we going to see David? When are we going to see David? Because we know when we see David, it's not very long before we see Goliath, and they're going to fight, and it's going to be great. Um, so, yeah, we finally see David make his first appearance, and he kind of jumps in, and then he runs off, you know? So it's like, ooh, ooh this is going to be so good. So it's exciting. It is exciting, because when you're telling me, it's like I have a vivid, well, my imagination is good. Like I always say, when I was a kid, I could always imagine things. So while you're talking, I'm imagining this almost like, like you said, Marvel series where they throw in like Black Panther or, you know, all the other characters they have and then they make their appearance and they leave. It's so I'm thinking about it like that. I'm like, oh, this is going to be amazing because he'll come, he'll leave, something else will happen. Then he'll reappear for like this big scene. You know, it's awesome. I just love what you're doing. And I like the fact that people are able to see the correlation because so many times there are things like, different books that may represent God or something, but sometimes it's just hard to find that correlation or it's just too, it, the, it, the information is good, but you just can't really see how it works out. But I like the fact that yours, you can see how it plays together. You see everything, how that works out. And I like that idea. My yeah. daughter saw some of your artwork and she's like, oh, this is really good. So that was for my 15 year old. She thinks it's really 
really good. So no, fifteen year olds are great at criticism. So yeah, she liked it. Yes. That's good. <laughs> no, tell me about it. Like I do things around the house. I in addition to do this, I'm also like a singer, a songwriter. So I practice singing every day. My kids are the ones who criticize me. They're like, Mom, we didn't like that. Why did you say this? This word shouldn't go here. So yeah, if a 15-year-old liked it, I can tell you from experience, if she likes it, you must be doing a good job because she is very critical. Of course, it's always constructive, but still, for her not to have anything to say about it except for its positive things, let you know that you guys are on the right track. Now, you mentioned earlier you were a screenwriter and you used to write screenplays. Now, how did you get into that? Well, you know, 20 years ago, we were in Atlanta, and you know, I was just a writer. Like, I love to write, and um, uh, I, you know, we, we felt like a lot of movies that were coming out at the time, this was in the early 90s, were very derivative. You know, Fast and Furious, number 27. It's like, do we really need more Fast and Furious movies? Not being critical of those guys, because they're doing their thing. Yeah. But uh, we, we had a lot of ideas that we thought were pretty unique that we wanted to put out there. But... At the time, there's no film business in Atlanta at all, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you didn't live in Los Angeles or didn't live in New York, uh, you had to have some way to, to get an audience, to get some attention on your screenplay that would put you uh, above other, you know, the, the, the other stack of screenplays that, right. you know, John Q, uh, studio executive, is considering. So we actually started making comic books to to promote our screenplays, to, to get the word out about these screenplays that we were working on. Now you fast forward 20 years later, more films are made in Atlanta than anywhere else in, on the planet, I believe, uh, except Bollywood in India. <laughs> so it's pretty exciting to, to see what's happened here in Atlanta. And you know, we were talking about Black Panther earlier and they filmed at least parts of that here in Atlanta. And it was yeah. funny, but funny the power that a great story with great characters like that can have because after everybody saw that movie everybody's saying Wakanda forever so everybody's like these are my people this is this is the kind of point that I would like to live and um, it's, it's really powerful to to, to communicate um, ideas about you know what's what's worth fighting for in this world and right. you know how can we work together as, as, as people of good faith to, to make our world a better place Ain't nobody, going, ain't nobody going hungry in Wakanda. They got really cool vehicles. <laughs> They're flying they around. Everybody's like, this is the way it should be. Right? So. <laughs> that is amazing. So all of this stuff came together. And it's funny how it all worked together. Because first you're doing screenplays, and then you did comic books to promote the screenplays, and now you're doing comic books. We started doing yeah. animation to promote our comic books, right? And then we had... Uh, we had clients like the CDC, like Nitto Tires, an international tire company, come to us and ask us to start making uh, animation and comic books for them. We did uh, a huge comic book for CDC and over an hour of animation for CDC a few years back. And uh, we actually told the story of Nitto Tires, how they got started as a company. Uh, so it's, it's it's just interesting when you're when you're doing something and you're, you're trying to do it with excellence, ask your Lord to say, this is what God has put me on the planet to do, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm going to gather around other people, and we're going to work together toward, you know, those common goals. It's, a, it's amazing uh, the doors that open and uh, the, the kind of people that, that the Lord brings into your path. 
and the Lord opens doors and He closes doors. And uh, the terminus, we you know, we partnered with people over the years, and, and those people have gone on to do other things. And so uh, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. And I was mentioning at the beginning of 2020, we decided to sort of turn the the ship of Terminus Media to focus on faith and family friendly books and content. Uh, because there's there's so much entertainment out there today, but uh, a lot of times it's like I'm not sure I can sit Johnny in front of this this show and, and know that it's going to be okay. We we want to be that company where uh, you can you can trust us to not <laughs> you know put things in there that are that are going to be offensive and yeah. things that are uh, that Johnny should or Sally should not be watching. So yeah. that's our goal to be faith and family. That is an amazing goal. It kind of reminds me of this book I'm reading. It's called, I think it's called The Ten Commandments of Hollywood. And it's by mm. a guy named Devon Franklin. And what he said was that as Christians, sometimes we get so stuck in those typical careers, you know, like being a pastor or a teacher, you know, just the typical Christian careers that we have. But he was saying how we should think of it like they did in Star Trek, where we should go where no one has gone before because you can still be a witness to people when you work in different fields that are not quote unquote like religious friendly. And I love how you were able to work in film and how you're able to do comic books and still keep your values and show exactly who you are and your be authentic about your Christianity. I love that. Well, you know, I'm I'm a Christian guy and I love the Lord and, and I'm a creative guy. I love yeah. creators and I love, you know, great music and I love great films. And great, a great novel, great writing, and uh, even things like I love, uh, I love fashion, which is art you can wear, basically. Yeah. Um, but, you know, anybody who is creative is really closer to the creator, I think, sometimes because they get that whole, that whole energy and that whole spark that comes from creation. Uh, when you feel that spark, when you feel that sort of like you're on a, you're you're catching a wave of of creativity. You know, I think the Lord smiles because we're we're close to the Creator when when we are creating something new that's never that no one's ever seen before, something that's unique. Uh, but that being said, a lot of times when you hear, "Hey, this this uh, this book or this movie, it's a it's a Christian movie," we kind of go, "Oh, uh oh, <laughs> I hope it doesn't stink." No, you're right. <laughs> Oh, it's Christian rock music, and everybody goes, "Oh, okay. I hope it's not terrible." Because, uh, yeah, the 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 atheist guy I told you I was talking to last night, <laughs> he was talking about, um, uh, you know, a band called uh, Striper, right? Which was kind of a in the '80s, it was a, a a heavy metal rock band guy. And I'm not being critical of Striper because they're doing, uh, they were doing what they felt like God wanted to to do back in the day. And a lot of people enjoy Striper, so mm-hmm. not being critical. Um, but for him, it's like he was like, "What's up with that?" Uh, so sometimes when we as Christians go out into the, uh, you know, out into the rest of the culture with our with our creative stuff, uh, we have to go out there understanding, you know, that that perspective they may have to be sort of hostile. Or at least sort of like, I don't know about this stuff, uh, this religious stuff, this Bible stuff. Um, so because like with Dominion, follow the house of Saul, you don't have to be a Christian to enjoy this. You don't have right. to 
you don't have to be a Bible person to say, wow, this is a great story with great characters. And the, the main thing is, is, is whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, do it with excellence. Uh, it, it's, it's almost like this is, this is our worship for God to say, thank you for this gift of creativity that you've given me. And I want to give it back to you in a way that glorifies you, that, that, that when you look at it, you go, good job, my son, good job, my daughter. Uh, I'm proud of I'm proud of you. You did good. You took the gift that I gave you, and you created something with it that is going to help people, or encourage people, or just entertain people, make them laugh. You know, there's value in just entertaining people, just making them laugh. Uh, but I think sometimes we as Christians we feel like we have to we have to get a little preaching in there. I think you have to be our authentic selves uh, as believers uh, or people of faith. Uh, but we don't also we don't always have to be preachy all the time. I agree. <laughs> no, I agree, and that also made me think of another book I read. It was by an artist named Lecrae, and he was just saying how. Love Lecrae. Love Lecrae. Yes, yeah, so do I. It's like the whole philosophy that okay, he just wants to be known as an artist because he realized that when he put a Christian artist in front of it or a Christian rapper, then people didn't want to listen to what he had to say. So he said, okay, so he just wants to be an artist, but he wants to rap and do Christian values. And it makes so much sense. And I think that's kind of how it should be. Like we should just be who we are and we just live our Christian values because it's the same thing. I think sometimes we run around saying, I'm a Christian so much until we don't actually live it. But if you live it and just be who you are and let God live in you, then I think that is the best way to be. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if you've ever been cut off in traffic by someone with one of those Christian fish on the back of their vehicle. Yes. (laughs) What are you doing? Are you you basically communicating to the rest of the world that, you know, these these Christian people, these Christian fish people are are jerks and they don't have any consideration for anybody else? So, yeah, I think... uh, I think we we do the Lord our, a disservice, and it just doesn't work to to try to guilt people into a relationship with God, or or uh, you know, or to be high and mighty. And you know, hey, I'm just a beggar, you know, trying to make it through this world. And uh, you know, I can I can tell you what God has done in my life. I can tell you my testimony that God's made a huge difference in my life and my perspective. And I know 100% that I'm going to heaven when I die. And I don't, I don't say that to, to hurt anybody's feelings or anything. It's just, a, you know, I have peace in my life. And doesn't and it's not because my life is perfect. I'll guarantee you that. But there, there's peace when, when we have peace with God. So that's, that's something that I would just encourage everybody to, to just consider it. And uh, if, if you, you pick up the Bible and you want to read a little bit of it and you know, the Bible says that it never returns void, right? Yeah. So you always get something uh, when you when you pick up the Bible and, and read it. So That is true. You answered my question that I was going to ask you next about what would you tell someone who was looking for God? What advice would you give them on how to find them? And you just said it. You just did. Just pick up the Bible, read it, and get to know God. Yeah, and a place to start is, you know, the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Um, uh it's a good place if you want to learn more about Jesus and the kind of person that he was. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I think people, even Christian people, they only pick up the Bible, you know, when, you know, okay, okay, I got to win this. I got to win this Facebook argument, you know, so I got to find a Bible verse that sort of <laughs> makes my point for me. And that's totally the wrong approach. You know, we don't, we don't go to the Bible to prove our point. 
begun the Bible to, to to say, what does this Bible say? And let me get on let me get on track with with what this Bible is saying. And a lot, I think a lot of people who are who are, who are critical of, of faith and 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 uh, Christians, they've never read the Bible. They've never picked it up once. They didn't they didn't come from a home where you know the Bible was uh, valued, and that's okay. Uh, but before you before you knock it, you know, read about Jesus in the book of John. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of beautiful stories in the Old Testament that teach us timeless truths, you know, things that we, we can all agree on, things like, uh, you know, you reap what you sow. If you sow love and forgiveness and uh, for your fellow neighbor, that, that's what you reap. And so I think that makes for a better society. It makes for better relationships between people who disagree with one another. So instead of uh, having situations like we're having today in, in Cuba or in you know, South Africa uh, with violence and looting and, and that sort of thing, you know, we, can have, we can have peace with God and we can have peace with one another. Uh, it's hard to, to oppress someone that you love. It's hard to, to kill someone that you are loving as yourself. <laughs> as your neighbor it's hard to abuse their children it's hard to uh to take their 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 job and their money away uh just the comps just this just the opposite you want to take care of other people you want to look after them you want to rescue people who are who are being you know delivered to you know death or or judgment unjustly and that's what we should be as as people of god that we are the people who are the heroes <laughs> We hear the people who stand up and say, "No, I, I, I'm not going to let this happen on my watch. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, protect the the people who are weak, and I'm going to look out for my fellow man and make sure he has enough food to eat, and make sure her children are taken care of, and get you know gifts, <laughs> gifts on Christmas or whatever the thing is that the the Spirit leads you to do. Uh, for us, you know, the Bible says it." To, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. So for me, if, if the Spirit of God is saying, do this, and I go, nah, then that's wrong for me. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. And that is such good advice. Now, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you or get any of the books, how can we get in contact with you, Mark? Yeah, they can go to our website, www.terminusmedia.com. And we have Dominion, Follow the House of Saul there, chapter one through three. We have our newest book, Samson Rise, which is a really gritty telling of the story of Samson in the Old Testament. Uh, and, you know, Samson is, is a great lesson in, you know, how, how a life can be going so great and then kind of go off the rails uh, so there's a lot to learn from samson's life and uh, we have an upcoming title called ascension that is kind of a, a scary spooky story um uh, that uh, that uh yeah we'll have more to talk about in the future but uh it's one of those things where it's it's really scary but it's also really inspiring uh, to, you know the enemy the enemy is dark and wants to steal and kill and destroy. But, uh, you know, we have the armor of God for a reason. And so we can stand up and fight and get on our knees, pray and fight. And uh, so that's kind of what Ascension is about. Yeah. 
So we'll have more news about that over the next couple of months. That is amazing. All right. Well, guys, you can just go to the show notes. I'm going to have all his information there, and you can just click on the links, and you can get in contact with Mark. Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on Finding God, and we appreciated having you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. What an amazing interview. My favorite part of the interview is when Mark and I talk about how, as Christians, you don't have to stay in these safe careers. You don't have to do what people expect you to do because you're, quote, unquote, a Christian, but that you can go and venture out into the world and how you can spread your light in a world just by the way you live. We talk about how it's not always important to scream, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, because it's not. The way we live should be what determines how people view us and how they see us as a Christian. If you go through your life loving people, they'll know that you're a Christian rather than you running around telling people you're a Christian, but you're the meanest person ever. So it's not about what you say, but it's about do you live what you say? And I just love that about this interview. I also like how he has a career that quote unquote is not safe as far as being a quote unquote Christian is concerned. You know, he's doing graphic novels. He's doing all kinds of things. But in all that he does, he is letting his values reflect what he does. And I think that's important because so many times Christians get caught up, I think. We get caught up in this whole thing like, we're supposed to be in church, we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to say this. And we forget that there's a world out there. God never called us to stay in a church and just be there and do nothing. Like you're just preaching to the choir. You, I think it's good for Christians to have an impact. It's like, if you want to change things, how do you do it? Well, you have an impact on culture and society. How do you do that? You have to go outside of the church and use your talents and gifts there, no matter what they are, wherever they fit in. Just use your gifts and talents for God, and you will definitely make an impact in your world. It's not about being stuck in the same place, but it's about going out. God tells us to go into the whole world. He doesn't say stay in church. He says go to the world and tell people about him. And if we are doing that with our gifts and our talents and our careers, then we can make an impact for God that is bigger than if we just decided we're going to stay in one little area. We can actually go out into the world and let other people see God's love through us and through what we do. Now, the artist of the week is called The Radical One. She is a rapper from Georgia, and I love this song because she raps about love and she raps about relationships, which is something a lot of people think that you shouldn't do if you're a Christian. But because of her relationship with God and because of her values, she's able to put this all into her music. So right now we're going to listen to a song called My Heart from our Artist of the Week, The Radical One. Kinda fresh. I wonder if he know my man J E 
yes, you ass felt a rumble in my tummy when I looked you in your eye. Started thinking to myself, this might be my kind of guy. But then I had to ask the question, is he walking in purpose or do he know he a king? And that I might be his queen, but we can get to that later. For now, I just want to date you. Come and tell me all your dreams, I promise this ain't a scheme. It ain't another woman out here that can treat you like me. I'll be submissive, yeah, you got it, I take care of your needs. You ain't got to look no further, all you need is in me. I've been waiting for you day and night so patiently. Had some frauds try to play me, but I shut down the scene. You my king, I'm your queen, we gon' rock it for eternity. They say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you because baby i know i need you they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you because baby i know i need you they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you because baby i know i need you they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you because baby i know i need you the way you looking at me got me over here thinking are you my purpose partner or you really out here playing i don't got that kind of time i'm waiting on my man if you know you ain't my man then leave me where i stand i'm done playing games i'm mission vision driven ain't got time for competition it's all of you or nothing try to play me yeah you bugging i'm a real one this i know if you know you bought them games then it's best you hit the dough i'm focused and ready and i don't play like that no more it's see the kingdom or nothing no you gonna have to hit the road i'm not your average to shout it i'm a full-grown woman i want your bags and your money and you ain't gotta be perfect just let me know that you worth it i promise i won't desert you i'ma ride by your side till the day that i die got the only one we need cause me and you we a team and we gonna ride off in the sunset feeling lovely they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you cause baby i know i need you they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you cause baby i know i need you they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you cause baby i know i need you they say her people hurt people but now we love and we equal i promise i won't mistreat you Cause baby, I know I need you Mark's book is also available for sale. 
and I have the link in the show notes where you can get a copy of Dominion and find out all the exciting things that are going on in that graphic novel series. All right, well, I think that's all, guys. Um, If you want to talk to me, you know how to get in contact with me. But until we meet again, I hope you have an amazing day. I hope you have an awesome weekend. Enjoy that Monday, okay? And I will see you again next Friday. Bye-bye.